Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Get it automatically. Make it easy for yourself. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review wherever you get the podcast. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about or some blogs or any information you need to know. Any questions, thoughts, or recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Today's guest is Lauren Vernay, currently a member of the Black Pantherettes from New York City. Lauren shares the first sketch for the Black Pantherettes' upcoming digital series. The sketch is called Kim K for President. So we have an audio clip from that sketch. that I will be running for president in 2020. President of what? The United States, of course. I'm going to be the first girl president ever. Now, I am such a super big supporter of the black community. I mean, I married Kanye. And I'm studying to be a lawyer so I can fight back crime, you know? So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce the latest case that my lawyers cleared. Jesse Smollett. I fought back. Them white Nigerian boys couldn't handle me. Okay, Jesse, shh. <laughs> that is not why we're here. Okay, we're here to give the people what they want. We don't want you. I will lead my people. Us people, your people, we people. And to niceness and fairness and equality for all. <laughs> I mean, if Donald can do it, a Kardashian can. <laughs> Make America slay again, okay? <laughs> That's my slogan. <laughs> I'll take questions. Angela Rye here, CNN political commentator. Ugh. What is your stance on reparations for black Americans? Rep Reparations. Reparations. I mean, I have reparations. Yeah, so I'm the mother of two and a half black children. I understand. Um, right. Um, let me make this clear. Do you believe that African Americans should receive compensation for slavery? Oh, yeah. And they will be. Kanye is working on a brand new diss track. He's going to pay back all those lame black rappers that wronged him. That's not at all what I meant. Easy nation. I'm done talking about this. <laughs> oh, it's time for a selfie with my babies. Hey. Hey, mommy loves you. You want to know? Get out! Gosh. People always trying to get in your shot. I just gotta tell you guys, you don't let black people run over you, okay? Oh, you're the breath of my life, the beat of my heart. 
Say bye-bye. Say bye-bye to mommy's fans. Bye-bye. Hold on. <clears throat> so, I'm gonna bring out someone very special to me. When I win president, he's gonna be my new secretary of urban development. Cause he's a king of trap. <laughs> um, I present T.I. Secretary of what? Girl, you told me I was here to perform for charity. Lauren. Hi. Hi, Josh. How are you? Good. So uh, tell me about this uh, Kim Kardashian running for president sketch. Where did it come? Where did this idea come from? Yeah. So um, we were working on our first show at the pit and we were trying to come up with, um, you know, we were just talking about pretty much how everyone is running for president in 2020 and how it's just such a full pool of candidates and we were thinking about like other like reality stars who could like make a bid for it or whatever and um i think kim kardashian was kind of on our minds because that was around the time she recently well not recently but that was around the time where she said that she was gonna study law um yeah. and i don't know if she still is or what's happening with that but um yeah we just found that really humorous and then also um she was doing all that, you know, going to Trump's office and trying to bail black people out of jail, which is a commendable effort. Um, but, you know, still, it's Kim Kardashian. And, like, you know, I'm just always suspect of the Kardashians. So I think from all those things combined, um, we were like, man, like, what would it be like? Like, if she, like, this is even that far-fetched. Like, I'm, no, I'm, unfortunately, it's not. Yeah. And, you know, Kanye has already said that he wanted to do it. So we just had a lot of fun with it. And um, actually, my um, one of the, the Pantherettes, um, her name is Kezia Bernard Naw. Um, she took the lead on writing it. And then once like she wrote like the first few drafts, we like worked together to, you know, flesh it out more. So uh, we are co-writers on it. But mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, um, she came up with the, you know, the concept and the, all the guest people who appear like T.I. and Jesse Smollett. That was also around the time where he had his big scandal. And I was following that like the OJ trial. I was like, what's, <laughs> what's happening? Like, why? And especially because I'm from Chicago. So like, and I know the, um, the attorney general and like all these people, cause I used to work in politics. So I was just like, so fascinated by this. And, like, I used to like Empire. So, yeah, I was really following that really closely. And I just could not believe what was happening. And um, so, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have that huge of a part. Um, but still, it was like, you know, we got to have him in there. You know, how did he get out of jail? You know, I know he's half Jewish. So, you know, maybe he has, like, really high up connections or something. And I don't mm. know if that sounds bad. But, you know, yeah, like, seems like he it really uh, worked out for him. But we were playing around with the idea of, like, oh, well, you know, what if Kim helped him out or something? Um, so, yeah, we had a lot like, of it. Hmm? Why is T.I. in it? Yeah, a lot of people um, ask that. T.I. has done a lot of social justice uh, awareness work in the last few years. Yeah. Um, and so he kind of pops out because in the sketch, Kim tells him that she wants him to perform for charity, where really she wants him to, you know, announce that she wants to appoint him to her cabinet. 
So it's just kind of like a quick, like, you know, wait, why am I here? Um, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just worried that I missed some weird story about TI. Like, yeah. That he did yeah. something bonkers that I just, you know. Yeah. No, he's just, you know, like he said in the sketch, he's just out him there. actually being a good person. Yeah. He's out here in these <laughs> social justice streets. Uh, so, um, what, what were you into growing up? What kind of comedy, what was like your first impression or memory of comedy? Yeah, I actually just wrote about this for a scholarship essay. Um, but basically, um, my family, uh, growing up, they are very, very funny people. Um, my extended family, but also like my immediate family, my parents and then my brother and that's it I don't have any other siblings and my brother is nine years older than me so he he is just a really really funny person he grew up like you know doing impressions of Jim Carrey and Eddie Murphy and um the Wayans brothers and um we grew up around a time where in living single and living single and living color (laughs) was out and so um we would watch that together um, he would like do like these parody things. Like one time him and my dad did a parody of Romeo and Juliet. Um, and so it was like my brother as Romeo, his male friend as Juliet, I believe. And then my dad played like the nurse. <laughs> and then my mom uh, was the camera woman. And then I was probably like, I don't know, five or six. And I was walking on and off set. It was a really hot mess, but it was really <laughs> funny. And, um, yeah, we just did a lot of of fun stuff like that, like growing up, just like parodies and impressions and um, going to the movies was a big thing and um, going to go see plays. So that was like that kind of like laid the foundation. And you know how it is when you have an older sister, older sibling, you um, admire what they admire and you take up similar interests. So a lot of that um, came from him. And then, you know, just kind of getting older and, you know, he's a lot older than me. So he was out of the house when I was nine. So then I started um, really amusing my friends and um, taking up a lot of time in the lunchroom, telling elaborate stories. Um, You know, my goal every lunch hour was to just make people laugh. So whatever, you know, we had to do. I I was surrounded by some really, really funny people. Uh, One of my best friends in high school, she was hysterical. Everything that came out of her mouth was funny, just really sarcastic, biting humor. Um, So I learned a lot from her. Um, And yeah, like, you know, you encounter all these different people personally. So a lot of my um, influences were personal. And then like, you know, on the celebrity level, um, I really looked up to uh, Carol Burnett. like my mom put me on her and her variety show because it's kind of hard to, you know, find women in comedy, obviously. So, um, yeah, just, it, it's a wasteland. Before, yeah. And she, like, what are you going to say? Yeah. It, it's like for every, like the percentages are so bad. Like for every, like 10 funny men in the sixties and seventies, there was one, that was allowed to get on TV. It feels like, like, mm, like yeah. Carol Burnett, Mary Tyler Moore, Betty White doing stuff. And like, you know, the wives and girlfriend roles on, on sitcoms and. Right. Like, so Carol Burnett is definitely like that massive shining star. Yeah. That yeah. Time period. Definitely. Um, and just all her different characters. And I had just never really seen anyone do that. So, um, and I, I kind of see a lot of that influence, even in like, 
the show I just did yesterday at UCB. Like I played a shy rapper. I played um, named Paprika. I played Kim Kardashian. And then I played Kelly Rowland. Those are all like really different characters. And like, I feel like Carol Burnett would just do stuff like that. Like she'll be a child one minute, then she'll be an angry store clerk the next minute. And um, yeah, just seeing, you know, people like her take on those kind of roles was a huge influence. And then obviously like the Wayans brothers um, and then Chris Rock um, is my favorite comedian of all time. Um, so definitely him. I mean, I have not braved the stand up waters yet, um, but his other stuff, um, especially everybody hates Chris um, and his movies and stuff, um, as far as sketch comedy, were really um, influential for me. When were you introduced to like the Chris Rocks? Like, what do you remember? Like, have an earliest memory of Chris Rock? Like, when was the first time? Yeah. Like, oh, he was. An- yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Um, he was another one that was really hyped up in my family. Um, but the irony is, I was too young. I mean, I was the youngest person in the house. So if I'm nine, my brother is 18. And then, of course, my parents are adults. So they, you know, were watching a lot of things. Sometimes they let me watch. Sometimes they wouldn't. Um, but with the Chris Rock specials, like um, when they came out, like Never Scared. Um, what's the other one? Something about the blackest, something like bring, that. Bring the pain. Yeah, bring the pain, all that stuff. I was too young when that came out. So like I had to kind of rediscover it as an adult, like in my 20s. And I would just sit there and just be in awe. Like I've seen a lot of stand-up. Like every time I used to visit New York, I'd see stand-up. Of course, I, I would watch the celebrities. And I just, I've never to this day just seen someone execute a special so well remain so tactful, make fun of things that are hard to make fun of and still do it in a way that resonates with people. Um, I think that he's just just a master. Um, I, I really love Chris Rock. Uh, and you mentioned growing up in Chicago? Yeah, yeah. Did you know about comedy in Chicago growing up? Like the, the history of like the Second City and IO and all the stuff that's there? No, not really. Um, I think it's very, so I grew up like in the West suburbs. I was about a good 10 minutes from Chicago, but we just say Chicago just because we're so close. I'm the same way. I'm 10 minutes from Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's a very, I honestly didn't even start going to the North side of Chicago until after college. Like, um, Chicago is so sounds bad but Chicago is very segregated and I feel like if you weren't directly involved like taking classes at Second City or something like that like as a child or whatever um there was really no reason for us to go up there like we would go downtown mm-hmm. and we would go to like you know the Goodman and you know Broadway shows and you know stuff like that that were in town or we go on the South side and, you know, cause that's dominated by black people. So I grew up actually going to this theater called uh, ETA creative arts um, on the South side. And it's really iconic for a uh, black Chicago theater and black theater period in the country. Um, but yeah, no, that community was like, you know, I did not have the knowledge of it until after I got out of college and I started working in the city. Um, I worked at Steppenwolf theater. So that kind of like, Ooh. and we were right down the street from second city 
And then um, once I got an agent, then I started auditioning in Second City and, you know, that type of thing. And that's when I was like, wow, like this is like a thing people do. This is a career, especially with Second City because they pay equity. So you can like make a living working there. I think that's one of the few places you can do that. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I didn't realize until like, you know, the being an SNL fan, you have the big giant, like the mythology of Second City and SNL stealing Second City cast members Mm. to populate the show. I went to my first, I I went to Chicago for the first time, like I think like 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. I went to a Second City show and it it didn't occur to me that this, like, that these were like actual like real theatrical productions Mm -hmm. instead of what you would see at UCB or the pit or here in Philadelphia at fit. Like Mm -hmm. it actually is like a theater experience compared to what I'm used to it from sketch comedy now. Like, Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, they get paid really well. And then they also have the touring branch and educational branch. So there are lots of opportunities um, for actors. Um, They have a a really good commitment to diversity. So yeah, I I discovered Second City from auditioning there and getting called in and getting called back a few times, but not quite getting it. Um, And then that's, so I I did that right in that, you know, period between like after undergrad, um, during grad school, and then shortly after I went to New York. So that kind of like set the precedent for me to want to study it further in New York. Um, but yeah, the community there is really strong, but I, I, I don't know if people of color really have the knowledge, unless like, you know, you know, you're, you're really pursuing it and you're moving to mm, Chicago to go right. to Second City. I think, you know, we're not as, it's not as much on our radar as, you know, it is, as it is for like white comedians. Right. And I, like, I mean, you mentioned about going downtown and stuff. I didn't realize how far out the Second City Theater was from like, you know, the downtown, the loop area, like mm-hmm. when I went out there. So was, um, you mentioned ETA. Were you always a performer? Like, were you always a theater kid? Yeah, definitely. I, um, I started like with singing. And then, like, in choirs and in talent shows and um, stuff like that. And then um, my church had a really active, like, drama group and a choir. So I did both there. And then, yeah, pretty much every school I went to, I either joined the choir and or the drama team. And I think what really um, sparked – but at that point, I really didn't think about doing it professionally. It was just fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, like my family was very fun and comedic. So we would have a lot of fun at home. And then I'd go do these different clubs. I had a pretty nice childhood, despite like my parents being divorced and, you know, things <laughs> like that. So, um, yeah, it was kind of like happy go lucky. Like, oh, I'm going to drama. I'm going to choir. But it never really in all that time I was saying that I was going to be a judge. Like that was like my career ambition. Um, you wanted to get into law? Yeah, because I saw... Um, Judging Amy. Do you remember that old sitcom, Judging Amy? I, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's super old. Um, and I, I used to watch these things because I would literally lay up with my mother every other day and just watch TV nonstop. So, yeah, we watched Judging Amy. And then she also was into, like, The Simpsons. That was a huge influence on my comedy and that type of sense of humor. I've seen almost every episode of The Simpsons before. Did you fall off of The Simpsons? Yeah, I definitely f- fell off. So I stopped watching probably in 2010, like watching religiously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll still like catch it like every now and then. But it, it's still so iconic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I haven't met someone who's like, oh, yeah, no, I still watch 
weekly. Like every time, every time I ask that question, it's like, yeah, I gave up five years ago. I might, I might get something once here or there, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, the show's been on since the beginning of time. Like it's only so much you can do, you know, <laughs> and you know, you kind of grow out of it or whatever, but I mean, it's still iconic and I definitely kind of see traces of things they did on that, did on a show in my comedy. So, um, but yeah, so I um, grew up as a theater kid and just absorbed a lot of entertainment, like with my family um and then yeah I wanted to be a judge because I watched Judging Amy and then I, I learned in school about the Supreme Court and the laws and I was always really fascinated with like history and um you know that type of thing so that's still a very valid passion of mine but yeah once I started doing like you know how it is in high school like they have like a spring musical and then they have a fall play and um my school St. Joseph High School is really good about that so I was in you know, play every two plays a year, if not more. And towards the end of it, you know, like junior year when you're applying for colleges and doing ACT, I hate the ACT and all that type of stuff. Um, you're like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to study? And, you know, at first it was like, oh, pre-law. But then I was like, I discovered this BFA musical theater program. I was mm -hmm. like, wait a minute. You're telling me I can get a college degree in singing, acting, and dancing? Like, it was just, like, too good to be true. Like, you know, I just, I could not believe it. And so that's what I was determined to do, and that's what I set out to do. And so I, uh, I went to Southern Illinois University um, starting off as a BFA in musical theater. Do you have a favorite role from your time, like, you know, limited to, like, the high school and college theater? Like, do you have a favorite role from that time? Oh, yeah. Definitely the highlight is uh, I played Jesus Christ in um, Godspell. Oh, let's talk about that. Talk. <laughs> I, I'm a huge Godspell person. Like, oh, really? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's easily my favorite thing. My oh, favorite musical. So cool. yeah. yeah, it's a really sweet musical. Um, yeah, it actually was ironic. So I did, I was in a drama club all four years, two times a year. But the last year, we got this new drama teacher, and I guess she wasn't that familiar with my work. So when it was time for Godspell auditions, I auditioned, and they didn't cast me. So I was like, wow, I was really, really hurt. And this was like mm -hmm. right, right before I was supposed to leave for college. So I'm like, man, like the one time we do a musical, and like, you know, I can't be in it. But then like a month or so later, the guy that they had to play Jesus, he dropped out for whatever reason. And... um my choir teacher, she was kind of heavily involved with the musical. Um, she had been my teacher all four years. So I don't know why she didn't have influence in the original casting, but she approached me like, hey, you know, you should play Jesus Christ. I think it's going to be uh, really, you know, kind of, you know, fun and different. And so, yeah, I ended up playing Jesus Christ. So I went from not being in the musical to like being the person. Um, and it was awesome. And the ironic thing is like, I'm a really religious person and mm -hmm. I started a Bible study like at my school. So like, I feel like it was just no stretch of the imagination for people to be like, oh yeah, she's playing Jesus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like a, like a yeah. badge of honor of it. <laughs> I, I always like, cause it always amuses me about like, you know, the, the musicals and the plays and the, and the, and even movies to the point where that like are based on religious texts, like mm -hmm. the religious aspects of the performers involved. Like, yeah. Like, I think there was a big thing about like uh, the passion of the Christ and with, you know, Mel Gibson, I think the guy that played Jesus was also a, a practicing Catholic or something, but like, right. Like the, I don't know. It just, it feels, I'm always curious about like 
how that works. Does like the religious like the religious base plays like seep into people? Yeah, like, like Godspell is. I don't know. It's it's awesome. I like Godspell. It is. Yeah, I think <laughs> the guy from Passion of the Christ. Um, I, I I'm like obsessed with that movie, so I've read a lot of interviews and watched his stuff. And I think he was saying that you know he was like a casual Christian at first, but then of course when he went through the process, like I think that's kind of when he became more devout mm. especially with that movie like if, if you walk away not you know getting more into it or whatever then i think that would just be pretty hard um but yeah there's, go there's ahead a little uproar at my parents church this easter because uh the pastor wanted to show it to the children in the church and my mom's <gasps> like no oh wow how you old can't show children? that to children like like children like huh that's so weird like She's like, it's graphic. Like that's, in, yeah. Like, no, and I think she actually won that that vote. She put up enough of a stink. Yeah, I mean, it came out in what two thousand, so I was ten. Two thousand four ish, five. Oh, I was in college for sure. Yeah, oh, I was okay. College. Yes, I was older then, so yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, no, a small kid. Nah, you know, it's other movies I can watch. They can warm up. <laughs> Start with the veggie tails and grow. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it was it was really, really cool. And um, yeah, so that's definitely one of the, the iconic roles for me in that period of time. Very cool. Uh, what prompts the move to New York City? Yeah, so I went through this weird period after undergrad. Um, I It was about five years where I just kind of like stumbled around. I did get an agent in Chicago. And like I said, I was auditioning a lot. <laughs> keyword auditioning a lot um and then you know doing plays too but you know how it is with like theater and stuff like that you get like a stipend um so I would do you know different things like that so I was like building a resume meeting people um and then I also during that time towards the end of my time in Chicago I started uh writing um and so I wrote like my first web series it's called Artist Charisma it's on YouTube and um, it was about a Chicago singer who was like frustrated with her career, her love life, essentially. Um, and so this is kind of the period where like Issa Rae and um, this channel called a Black and Sexy TV on YouTube, they kind of came in because I discovered this world of Black web series. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? And um, I just really like absorbed it. And especially like the misadventures of an awkward Black girl, it was just... It, I just never seen anything like that um, with, you know, black women just kind of writing, producing, starring and directing in their own stuff. Um, Cause in theater, you're kind of taught that like, you're an actor, you're a director. Like it's a very like segregated kind of thing and like what you can do. But film enticed me because, you know, because it's film and you don't have to, you know, do it live all the time. You can just have more roles, you know? Yeah. Um and so, yeah, so now I was like, I'm going to write my own web series, just like these people. <laughs> and um, ironically, like when people watch my web series now, it's, it's, they say that it reminds them of like the misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. And it came out before Insecure. So they also said that like, oh, it kind of reminds me of that once Insecure came out. But yeah, so the, the influence is very obvious. But um, yeah, and then that was the point after that. I went to grad school in Northwestern. So I just really wanted to like take it further. And um, like once you've kind of like bit the apple of like writing, producing your own stuff and, you know, getting like a at least a modest reaction from people, you're like, oh, I want to get better. I want to, you know, meet more people. I want to get my work out there. 
Um, so I was pretty much on that train ever since. And I did this program at Northwestern called the uh, Leadership for Creative Enterprises, where pretty much like they train you on like how to lead creative organizations, whether that's like as a producer or a manager or whatever. And so that kind of like sharpened my producing skills and interests. Um, and really just kind of me figuring out like what I want to do. Like, you know, I went to school for acting. I had that degree. And also like, you know, I had a lot of music classes and stuff like that. So I know I love performing. I know I always want to do that. But then it's like, well, what else can I do? Like while I'm waiting for that to kind of jump off or, you know, whatever. And like, you know, yeah, so the grad school is really good for kind of identifying what I want to do behind the scenes with writing and producing. Um, and then when you wrap up the program, you have to do an internship. And so I knew I wanted to get out of Chicago to do that. Um, the intention was to come back to Chicago, but that still hasn't happened. <laughs> um, and so it was either L.A. or New York. A lot of the L.A. companies like didn't pan out for like one reason or another. And, you know, the New York companies did. So I just went here and then I started working in documentaries, which is a totally thing, a total thing I was not expecting. I did a documentary in grad school, ironically, to like flesh out my portfolio. And mm -hmm. I and I do like certain types of documentaries. Um, but yeah, I never thought I would do it for like a living. I didn't even know you could do it for a living. So yeah, I've pretty much been on that train since I got here two and a half years ago, uh, producing like documentaries as my day job. And then like, uh, later doing sketch and, and writing and stuff like that, like outside of that. Yeah, um, so yeah. how do you get to, I mean, you're, you moved to New York, you're doing documentaries. And I, I that was another thing that I, I really was interested in in college. Like, yeah, uh, I went to a film festival in North Carolina, which really tripped me up because there was a film about homeless children that lived in the subways mm. of, um, a city in Russia, I want to say Leningrad or something like that. Mm -hmm. But like while they were filming, one of the children died. <gasps> oh my goodness. And like it like it's just stirred like all these ethical questions into me about like put down your camera, help them. Like Yeah. Like stop stop just shooting and like like this feels selfish to me. Like like the kids to stay warm were huffing glue and paint. Like Oh my goodness. And one of them OD'd and passed out while they were filming. And I was just like like what are you doing like so yeah that's crazy. documentaries have like a whole like i don't know yeah it, sometimes that, it feels hmm. yeah that sounds a little reality tv-ish because like it, it wasn't like it wasn't yeah. that like kind of like they were like really trying to shoot like hey like can we fix these kids like mm -hmm. and the, the, the concept of shining a light on a problem to further expose it to a greater audience mm -hmm. versus helping the problem in the immediate yeah you know that kind of like ethical thing to me really mess with my head yeah no that's awful only reason i say it's like reality tv ish is because i think like that genre kind of thrives on like big things like that happening sure absolutely they, yeah they do allow it but yeah no either way like that definitely shouldn't have happened um what, what was the original question <laughs> well, I, I was going towards uh getting into sketch comedy oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so so all right you're you're uh producing documentaries in a day right How do you step into the world of sketch comedy yeah so like i was saying like before i left chicago like i was doing a lot of like auditioning at second city and that and with the auditioning so like they call you in like hey we want you to audition for this review here's the script and you get a free ticket to see the show so I got like maybe three or four 
free tickets to see the shows because I kept getting called in. And so that's what kind of like really put me on to sketch comedy. And I was like, oh man, like I really want to do this. And so when I got to New York, like I knew that there was also like a big scene here, although not a paid scene, but (laughs) a good scene. And, um, you know, I'm like, well, while I'm here, I might as well kind of like, you know, dive in and, you know, see what I can do. And so right before I left Chicago, I started, I started a lot of things. Like I had a theater company um, that we did like regular plays, like black plays um, called Cape Coast Dreams Theater. And then I had towards the end, I was like for another grad school project, I was like, I'm going to start a sketch comedy channel. Um, and our first show is going to be called the resistance. And it's going to be all about like fighting the power in the age of Trump. And this is like 2017. So Trump had been in office for like six months. Um, so it was, you know, very fresh. And, um, I wrote a script, uh, a sketch script. I cast my friends and like my, and that was a wonderful thing about Chicago is that there are just so many actors there who are amazing. They have wonderful humble egos they they can do you know whatever you want them to do um so that was really nice so anyway we shot a pilot I was interning at a place that and they let us use the studio so we had like a studio grade pilot and then from there when I got to New York so like I don't know maybe six months later um no not even that a year and a half later um once I finally kind of you know made some money got a little bit settled um, wasn't thinking about surviving from day to day. I was like, oh, let me um, pitch my show around to like some of the theaters here. So I pitched um, the resistance to the pit, and um, uh, Alan McG- McGray, he, you know, he's the director there, and so he met with me and we talked about the show, and he let me put it on. And then from there, it kind of like the first show was called The Resistance. Um, just because, like, you know, that's what I, the name I had already, and we used mm-hmm. some, of the, some of the sketches from the Chicago show. Um, but then I was having an issue with, like, casting, because I was like, man, like, it's kind of hard for me, because I knew I wanted to be a troupe with people of color, but I was like, it's kind of hard for me to find, like, Black men who are, like, you know, available, because I feel like they're a lot more in demand than Black women in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think partly because it's less of them doing it. Because, you know, just men in general, they kind of are more practical with their career choices. Um, And so the ones who were really good, like, they were just always, you know, getting called in for pilots. And they were busy. Like, they didn't have time to do this stuff. So, uh, you know, I found myself, like, working with more women and, like, more women coming to the auditions and stuff like that. And I was telling someone like, man, you know, like I'm having a hard time finding guys or guys that are available and committed. And they were like, just make it all black women. And I was like, well, I can't do that. Like, who's going to play the guy roles? And the the girls can do it. And I was just like, (laughs) like, you know, I'm not trying to have people in drag constantly. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'll think about it. And then I was like, that's actually a really powerful idea. And I've never really seen that before. This was before a black lady sketch show came out. Um, and I was like, wow, like, you know, I should try to do that. And so the first show, um, yeah, all the shows in New York have been, um, all black women. And then I came up with the name, the black pantherettes, um, really just kind of, you know, people like wonder sometimes like, oh, is it in reference to the Panther, black Panther party, or is it about the movie and, you know, the character or whatever. And I kind of look at it as a little bit of both. Like it's definitely... Um, I love the Black Panther Party and, you know, what they stood for and um, everything like that. And 
Um, like I said, I'm a history buff, so I'm really well versed in all of the, all of those um, dynamics. Um, but then also, like, it was kind of around the time where Black Panther was hot, and or at least people are still talking about it. And I was like, you know, I feel like our group just kind of encompasses like um, Black pride and um, lifting up Black women and making, you know, showcasing powerful, talented Black women who have um, something to say on like real issues. Um, and we talk about a lot of political things. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like what, where the name came from, um, the Black Pantherettes. How did you meet the rest of the, the cast of Black Pantherettes? Yeah, so a combination of a lot of different things. I have to shout out my really good friend and Pantherette and collaborator, uh, Kezia Bernarna, who wrote um, Kim K. Um, she, um, I actually was working on a pilot, like a TV pilot. That's something I'm still working on, trying to master my TV writing skills. And she came to a table read that I set up at my house. And after the table read, she really liked the pilot. And she was like, hey, you know, whatever you're doing next or, you know, if you're going to take this further, like, let me know. I want to work with you. And so I actually met a a few other girls from that um, table read. And two of them did the show with us. Um, And then one of them had to drop out. She was busy. And so Kezia, she just kind of she's one of those people who knows everybody. So she was like, well, I know like two other women that could do it. Um, and so they showed up and they were awesome. Um, so that was Tamiko and Cherie. And then, um, Alexis, we, uh, met her through an audition, um, because we did the show with four people. Yeah. Four people the first time. And I was like, this is a bit too much. Like we need at least (laughs) one more person. Um, so that's when we held the audition and we met Alexis and then we've been kind of rolling ever since. And now we're kind of at a point where we need a sixth person and a seventh person, maybe not to like perform every single show, but you know, on standby or whatever. Um, so we started adding to the troupe as well, um, with, um, a few other girls and yeah, that's, that's how we found everybody. How did you, uh, find out about pitching a show at the pit? Um, I mean, I'm on my computer night and day. I'm always like researching and doing things. And so I actually took a, what is it called? A drop-in class at the pit okay. um, where, where for like 20 bucks, you could just come and do it or whatever. So um, I did that. And so that was kind of like my first like intro to the theater and like, you know, their philosophy. And I really was attracted to like the whole, like Alan describes it as like a working man's theater um versus like you know the UCB model um they're a bit more selective and um you gotta kind of you gotta kind of come through their system to get a chance um versus I kind of like told Alan like my story with like Second City and Chicago and you know I had already did the show and I think I showed him a preview and so he was just like you know a total outsider he was like yeah sure do your show here so um I think that meant a lot but yeah I did drop in class then I actually, then I pitched the class because I was like just meandering on their website. Like, oh, you can submit a show. And then I met with Alan and then Alan was really gracious and he gave me a diversity scholarship. So I was able to study there. Um, so I took a sketch writing class. Um, and then <laughs> I thought I knew how to write sketches before the class and some of them were okay, but what I was doing and sometimes what still happens is 
I'll write stories, but not sketches. Like, do you know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I totally know what you mean. Yeah. From going through sketch comedy writing classes here in Philadelphia. Like, yeah. That, yeah. That's definitely a thing. Yeah. Like, uh, my, I'm, when I did it, you know, years and years ago, there was a couple of older people who were basically trying to jam short stories <laughs> into comedy sketches. Yeah. So like the, the first page was all like set, like set dressing and, and stage like, and like, you know, two lines of dialogue and mm -hmm. just the paragraphs of how ornate the set had to be, which, you know, is entirely unfeasible <laughs> and unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we all come to writing with like, kind of imitating what we like and what we know. Um, and, you know, just kind of with raw, you know, ideas of how it should go. And so, like, the classes really helped because, you know, Alan would be like, because he actually taught the class. Right. <laughs> and he would yeah. be like, oh, this is not sketch enough. And so it, it was a story and it was funny, but, like, you know, you need, you know, three rounds. You need a voice of reason. You need, you know, just all these different things. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of, yeah, the pit has been just a really supportive home and, um, they really helped me like even beyond the class, like, you know, I built relationships with people and one of the girls who actually, um, was a substitute teacher for my class one day, her name is Kate Moran. Um, she ended up directing my web series. Um, so the video that I submitted to you, she directed it. Um, so yeah, it, it's just been, it's been really, really awesome being there. And so from there, I started pitching the show um, at UCB and that's why we were doing the Spanx there. Um, and then I started like submitting the festivals and stuff. And so that's how we got into the Harlem Comedy Festival and the LA Diversity and Comedy Fest and Sketch Fest and all these wonderful things that are happening now. But yeah, it all started um, really with, you know, me just kind of being bold and stepping out and submitting the show and just kind of being, oh, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm sure you know as a writer, like how hard it is to like rewrite and take criticism. So yep. yes, yeah, <laughs> that's definitely a thing like I'm working on all the time. But yeah, <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I hadn't done that, like we would not have had any progress. So. Uh, you mentioned earlier about like in Living Color, you know, growing up and Chris Rock, I ask everybody, uh, it's one of the, like my trademarks. Do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Oh, Maya Rudolph. I really like the work that she did on there. You mean current or just, it doesn't and, matter? And historically. Yeah. Whenever. She's the first person that comes to mind. Maya and then Keenan, of course. Um, and there are some people, but I don't know their names offhand. Oh, Sh Shashir. Shashir. Sh yeah, Shashir. Sh oh my gosh. I like gonna cut all that out of me yeah <laughs> shashir zameda yes yeah she I was really so under I, I she was definitely someone that was underutilized to me like yeah i um, I, def I definitely agree um yeah and i think because maya is kind of like an og and she was on there when i was in like high school and college like she definitely was like oh you know black women are doing this and and so versatile like she could yeah. do yeah so much yeah definitely um so yeah as far as that cast um it would definitely be her and then key and peel they yeah. Yeah. were so influential for me um and i discovered key and peel right before i left chicago i think 
Um, I, don't, I don't know what I was doing all these years and all this amazing comedy was happening. Like, like I said, like a lot of it was because I was too young to, you know, watch like Eddie Murphy delirious or, you know, Richard Cryer or yeah. you know, things like that. Like, you know, thankfully my parents were, you know, not allowing me to watch explicit content at a young age. So, you know, as I've gotten older, um, I've kind of had to like research that stuff myself and, um yeah but anyway kind of fast forward to key and peel um i think the first sketch i saw so by the time i watched it the show was off the air but um i saw the it's a sketch they do where it's like negro land or something like that um do you know what i'm talking about and it's like a musical and it's like mm. pretty much all black people's problems go away like you don't get pulled over by the police and white women don't take your men and just all these different things and I was like, wow, this is so cool. Um, and then you know how it is with Key and Peele on YouTube. Like, it's just constant. I think at this point, they probably posted, like, all of their sketches. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm sure yeah. 95% of it's all out there. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. And just watching them, I think that they definitely influenced me wanting to do the Resistance, the first show in Chicago and, and, and at the pit. And then really just going from there. Um, I think that as far as like in the game of like sketch comedy, like they're definitely like Kings and they, they definitely are, are, are iconic. And um, yeah, I, th- I think they, they set a great example to like follow um, for everybody, not just like black people. Um, so yeah, I, I really love them. There's um so I was in college when Chappelle left the sh- when Chappelle left Chappelle show on mm-hmm. Comedy Central, and one of his complaints was like, "I feel like people are laughing for the wrong reasons." Mm, yeah, there, I I always worry about that with some of like Key and Peele's stuff too. Oh really? Yeah, like like the the big one that like I can really think of that I'm I I worry about is the uh, the East West Bowl. Where yeah. Like, um, yeah, 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 like. Yeah. I've seen certain people like share that on Facebook and be like, mm, you're not laughing at that for the right reason. Like, like how do they say it? Like, like it, it feels like it's like, <laughs> these names are dumb. Like, oh. like, you know, like there's, there's like, all right, all right cool. calm down, dude. Like, I don't know. Like I'm always wary sometimes mm-hmm. when like- something like that goes viral. Like, all right, that this doesn't feel good to me. That's so interesting. I mean, but I kind of look at it as like, I feel like that's part of the point. Um, And, you know, it's kind of hard for me because I am black. So, um, (laughs) you know, I just kind of get the the cultural in you. And I I think that's that's the bigger part for me is that like, um, I mean, we, we you talked about like how Carol Burnett was like this like trailblazing female on television Mm -hmm. and when there were only three networks and then eventually four networks eventually five and then like that dearth of just in the last 15 20 years right where my cable system has like 500 channels (laughs) and like you can't possibly keep up with everything you can't possibly know everything that's going on like you mentioned black youtube series i had no clue Mm -hmm. in my world of watching british cooking shows and (laughs) you know like uh stupid music videos over and over again like yeah that that was a thing yeah so like as we you know as the internet and television has completely almost not completely but uh 
become more democratic and everyone has a voice and everything mm-hmm. the voices also get segmented into like their own specific like niches and corners yeah. so we don't have that full cultural you know like i'm trying to think of like what the last television show like, and people would say like games of thrones to an extent but like i've never watched game of thrones yeah but like (laughs) but like friends and like seinfeld in the 90s were like massive hits like Mm -hmm. or all right this was something i actually looked up because i was curious um and this is like just about the trend of television like the the seinfeld finale was like watched by like 80 million people i heard yeah and this year big bang theory which was like the number one sitcom on television was only watched by 15 Mm. and that was like the big series finale like that's yeah that number of like where did the audience go like did we just completely splinter off into like our own little worlds i think that's exactly what it is i think one of the benefits of um having a show on television is that you kind of get the attention of people who aren't in your target market or whatever um so you know for example like black lady sketch show very specific, you know, show and market, but you know, it's on HBO, you know, there are so many, you know, non-black women watching it and that is, you know, a huge benefit of it. So yeah, I think, but I think it's a good thing. I think that, you know, for a really long time, like I've never watched Friends. I have really no interest in it, but a lot of it, honestly, for me is I was so influenced by like my family so mm. I've watched Seinfeld. I've watched hundreds of episodes of Seinfeld. Doesn't have anything to do with me culturally. But my mom liked it. She thought it was funny. So I thought it was funny, you know? Mm. Um, and so, and because, you know, my mom was in that older generation um, where it was, you know, more limited channels and, you know, not a lot of options. Um, you know, you kind of just take what you can get, you know? Um yeah. Yeah, for years, like, mm-hmm. a lot of people, their only real, uh, like, notice into, like, Black culture, and this is going to sound so stupid of my, like, of my childhood, but, like, mm-hmm. it was Urkel and Family Matters and Martin. Yeah. Oh, Martin! And, that, and that's <laughs> it. Like, those were the two big yeah. Black family shows on yeah. TV in the 90s, from at least, you know, you know, Living Single, for sure, but, like... Those were the yeah fresh prints, but like mm-hmm. it felt like there was just one on every network. Yep, yep, exactly. Or, like, that was it. Yeah, so we had those shows for sure, and like you know my so we so that's the the thing like when network TV is like you get to absorb both you know cultural kind of you know shows. Um, I don't know, but so like when when Seinfeld was on or whatever. Like, were you also watching Fresh Prince, like, from your, like, standpoint? I I definitely remember watching, I, I don't think I've seen the full series. Mm, okay. But I definitely have enough knowledge, enough memory of watching, like, the, the early seasons. Interesting. Like, when it, when it went into syndication, like. Right. I probably right. didn't watch it live, but I definitely, the first, like, three seasons, I definitely can remember yeah like when when will gets like you know almost engaged i think she like in the later seasons mm-hmm. like i i have no recollection of any of that yeah but like yeah. the original like high school experience and him playing basketball and everything like that yeah i definitely remember that yeah and like there just was <clears throat> i don't know if there was internet back then or if it was it was 
you know, we weren't able it to stream shows. Yeah, definitely very bare bones text. Yeah. And so, yeah, all those shows. Oh my, I forgot to bring that up earlier, but Martin <laughs> was a huge influence. I actually wrote about that in my um, scholarship essay. Like, and because my brother watched it and, you know, it would be Shanae and, you know, all those other kids, the, 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 the brother man downstairs and just all these people. Um, that was super iconic. Fresh Prince, definitely. Um, and yeah, those shows definitely influenced me. In a way, Martin was kind of like a sketch show every single episode. <laughs> mm. um, it was just all these like, you know, situations. It wasn't necessarily serial all the time in the plot development. Um, so yeah, I think, but you know, I was also watching Seinfeld. Um, what was the other big mainstream shows back then? Um, I watched a lot of TV land. So like, I love Lucy, Mary Tyler Moore, three, what's the show about the two guys and a girl that live together, three girls and a guy or something like that. Two, two girls and a guy, two girls and guys, three's company. Three's company. There we go. Watch that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of, um, sitcom, like studio laughing sitcom, like influence, um, with all those shows. Um, and then, you know, of course, once the web boom happened and streaming happened, I think it's like you said, like, we just have so many options now and you kind of gravitate to, you know, things that attract you and like kind of speak to your experience a bit more, um, because it was just so, you know, limited, um, up until like what the last 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, so then why, I mean, you daytime working on documentaries, have a theatrical background so why comedy now i just really have fallen in love with it um i think it's just so like when the whole trump thing happened um okay let me back up a little bit when the obama thing happened um that was i was 18 so i got to vote um and he's from chicago it was it was a lot of dynamics in there that just made me so like proud and you know just really happy you know I'm a history buff so I kind of understand like the historical context and you know how important this was so yeah I think there was just a lot of joy and pride during that time like I remember when he got reelected I was in college and <laughs> you know black people are very rowdy when they announced that um he won or whatever we just started like dancing outside and chanting and you know things like that and it was just such like a period of eight years of joy and feeling like you belong and like acceptance and um when you have a woman like michelle obama in like the highest office and she looks like you and especially with her being a dark-skinned woman it's it was just something you really took for granted as like oh you know, America, even though you kind of know it's not true, America accepts us. America loves us. They want to hear what we have to say. Our our opinion is valid. So all that to say, like, in 2016, when all that stuff happened with the president, um, yeah, try not to, like, spend too much time talking about him. But, <laughs> yeah, it was just, like, really devastating to me. And that was around the time... I was in grad school. I was really pursuing, um, you know, writing and producing. And I was just like, well, how can I like use what I'm doing to kind of like speak to, you know, how black people specifically are feeling. Um, 
And that kind of turned into like comedies. Like one of my very first sketches, it was called The Morning After. And it was about um, a classroom, a, a white teacher having to tell her black students that Trump won or whatever the next day. Um, and then I had another sketch where, no, sorry, I, mex- I messed that up. So The Morning After was about the uh, a bunch of black and white students in a classroom with a white teacher the day after the election and just seeing how they all reacted differently. But I wrote another sketch called Daddy's Little Girls where a black father has to tell his like toddler-esque daughters um, that Hillary didn't win. Um, and so that was like, wow, like, I can really like speak to this. I can kind of express like my pain and um you know what I'm going through like mentally but I could still like make it funny and I could still put like a little bit of hope in there um and I could showcase you know actors of color so like all those things combined um just really like made me like fall in love with it and and want to pursue it further and just get better at it and I feel like that's the thing too um that can be hard for me at times is I am really really sensitive and it is a very hard it's a very thin line between me and the work, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, if I give you the sketch or whatever and you're like, fix this, fix that, this isn't making sense. This isn't a sketch at all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like, oh my goodness, like I'm going home, like pack my bags, you know? So it's like, it's being able to kind of gain the grit to kind of just sit there and bear it. And also like, you know, all notes aren't valid, you know, like, I think sometimes we get into this thing where it's just like, oh, well, this person critiqued it and, you know, that I need to change everything. But that's not the case. Like, I feel like I'm getting to a point now where you can hear the note behind the note. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, oh, you didn't think this was funny because, you know, I didn't make the cultural language like accessible to you or, you know, you may need a bit more explaining before I hit this punchline or whatever. Um, I think that's really important. And also when you get a variety of feedback, so not just like one or two people, but maybe like five people and they're all telling you the same thing, then that's definitely like a note you should take. So yeah, just being really selective and, um, just learning how to take critique. Uh, and I ask everybody and I, I inverted the the questions that I normally end with. Uh, so this is actually my second last question, but we'll do it last. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you started, you know, writing, and then when you went to New York, you did some classes at the Pitt. You've been, you know, getting into the UCB. What's something that you've learned about sketch comedy? And this could be either, you know, something just about the craft of writing mm-hmm. that you would pass on, or something that sketch comedy has being within the sketch comedy world has taught you that you would pass on to someone that's new to the game? I think the main thing I've learned is your difference can equal your success. So I guess what I mean with that is like, when we first started out, um, some of the people in the sketch community didn't really get us. Like they didn't really get why it only had to be black women. Like I still don't think there's any group like that in New York. Or, you know, why our sketches are a little bit longer. Like, most sketches are about six minutes or so. Or why we have, like, you know, elaborate costumes and wigs. And, like, it really is more of, like, a... We don't just go out there in all black. Like, we 
we plan every costume, every wig, every look, all the lighting. It's very, very like strategic and kind of like just on another level. And what I've kind of learned is, or, you know, we really lean into celebrity impressions and making fun of celebrity culture versus like, you know, just kind of making sketches about everyday situations. So we kind of do both. But yeah, I feel like those things alone, um, the, you know, the black women, the high production value, the um, attention to detail, um, you know, the uh, the sketches run a little bit longer, but they're still engaging and they're like educational and, you know, that type of thing. I think um, those have really set up our group to be um, just stand out more and to have just a, a greater voice because like I didn't come through the system of like pretty much a lot of the sketch house teams that I see in the city are a bunch of white people and one black girl or, you know, a bunch of white, white people and one black guy. Like it's the all black teams are like few and far between. Like, I mean, there's astronomy club and uh, a few other ones, but I didn't come up in that system where I had to constantly act and write with a bunch of white people. So I feel Mm -hmm. like my voice is just a little bit more um, not filtered down and watered down. And I've really been able to create what I wanted from the beginning. And so I would encourage like anybody to do that. I mean, still do the house team, you know, thing if that's what you want to do. But um, I do think there is a lot of power in uh, just, you know, collaborating with people who you feel, um, you know, really like you guys have a similar voice and then putting on that work. Because I feel like that work is what's going to really resonate with people. Nice. All right. Thanks, Lauren. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope what I said was somewhat useful. Lauren and the Black Pantherettes are heading to Los Angeles to perform at the L.A. Diversity in Comedy Festival on Saturday, October 19th at 6 p.m., and then coming home to New York City to perform at NYC Sketchfest at The Pit on Saturday, October 26th at 3 p.m. For information on all of that, head to theblackpantherettes.com. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production, you can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. <laughs>